Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by assholeconsulting.com. Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. And now, your host... Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Oh my God, where were you? Are you all right? Are you alive? Are you dep- are you feeling okay? And I'm not picking on any one person. One person, oh, dude, I was just checking in. It's it's not you. You are as much as I bust your balls. You know who I'm talking about. I do appreciate you. Even though I'd never see you, I still consider you a good friend. And to all the other friends, fans, agents, and the, the captain is okay. He is alive. He is well. He just wasn't on the fucking social medias. I occasionally, I don't even go ghost. I occasionally will delete Facebook and Facebook Messenger. Um, not Twitter, because that, that, um, I kind of use that to Twitter out things. I just occasionally will take... I'll, I'll break up with Facebook for about a week. Facebook is not the only one to be able to put you in jail. Sometimes you could put Facebook in Facebook jail itself. You simply delete the app from your phone, and you only use it for absolutely necessary things. And, and if, if I wasn't in the world that I am in now, if I didn't have this career, I would not have social media. I wouldn't. I just... I, I was forced to go on Facebook by a friend quite some time ago. I didn't have a phone that texted until five, six years ago. Didn't have a smartphone until that time. Didn't tap. I don't want to text you. Want to talk to me? Call me. But sometimes you just, you just, I, I catch myself. At least I catch myself. Like, oh, what's going on now? What's going on now? The phone dings. I'm like, whoa, wait, is this important? Is this money coming in? And then I realized, no, I'm wasting too much time on it. It's, it's adjusting my behavior. And I just deleted it from my phone. And then I came to Vegas. I've been in Vegas for uh, almost a week now. And what I've been doing, instead of like typing away and seeing and what's going on with that, I've been out having fun. I've been here six days. I will have golfed five of them. I went on a wonderful motorcycle ride out to the uh, uh, Death Valley. Atham, look this up. I went from Vegas to Pahrump. Uh, and then cut over to California on 372, which turns into 178, I think, when you cross over into the communist nation of California. Uh, stopped in a town, town, crossroads called Shoshone, where gas was $4.25. But who knows? That's maybe just because it's cheap. And I didn't know I was going to Death Valley. All of a sudden, there's a sign, Death Valley. I'm like, oh, this is Death Valley. Oh, not the National Park, but um, that's the formation. That is the actual Death Valley itself. You go a little bit further north. I think the park starts another 30, 40 miles north, which I've been to. Uh, but I was just, I'm like, oh, I'm in Death Valley. That explains why it's so hot. And I had to take off my sweatshirt. And then I went down south to Topeka, Tacopa, to, to Tacopa. Um, there were some hot springs down there. You never knew. There was water in Death Valley. 
and went up the other mountain range. I'd just come back on the other side. It was beautiful curves, a wonderful motorcycle ride, wonderful foliage in the desert. Made this turn. You see this vast valley that wasn't uh, Death Valley, but just this other valley with these mountains. And it was wonderful. Went back to Vegas. I, I the day, uh, Yesterday, I spent time at one of my favorite cafes just drinking coffee. And wrote that piece. For those of you that read it, you know what I'm talking about. But um, it's basically what I'm talking about here. I what, went swimming. I hiked Black Mountain again with my buddy. My buddy Richard came out to visit me. That's why we golf so much. Because <laughs> he wanted to get east from Minnesota too. He's like, hey, can I come down? I'm like, yeah, come on down. And he's like, I'll bring my golf clubs. I said, well, I guess we got an extra set of golf clubs here. You don't need them. He brought his, because he's very peculiar. He's a very peculiar man. Everything has to be all Richardy for him. I can't. Those aren't my golf clubs. Yes, you can. You can. You can use them, Richard. And uh, he, he uh, we'd wake up. First day we went golfing. Next day I took him up Black Mountain, and he does. He's flat foot and he doesn't have good knees, but he still made it up. And then we got back home that day and we're like, eh, let's go to the cigar lounge. Seven thirty p.m. We're out like out like dogs on a couch. And uh, then we woke up, and we're, we're like old men, even though we're not old men. And I think he's only 35, 36. And we're getting, we're limping. I'm like, dang it. What do you want to do? You want to go golfing? Yeah, let's go golfing again. So we did 18 holes out in Pahrump. Saw a bunch of dust devils. Windy as hell. We had fun. We had fun. And fun is not on the social internets and the YouTubes. It's not on the interlinks. It's not on the, the Netscapes or the Insta chats or the, the um, Snapograms or whatever else. It's outside having fun. And man, am I in a better mood? Oh, am I in a better mood? Now, a lot of it has to do with the fact that down here in Las Vegas, I don't know if you guys knew this in the upper Midwest. Dr. David Paradin, did you know about this? They have this thing called the sun, and it comes out. Every fucking day. It's not this cloudy haze. It's not this gray, like your grandmother's gray hair all the time. And you, you feel you're, like you're living in Siberia or a Soviet uh, concentration camp. And it's gray and they're playing the sad music all the time. And you're happy it's raining because at least it's not snow. Oh, wait, I spoke too soon. Here comes the snow. It's sunny and it's happy and it's warm. Why the fuck do any of you people live there? Aaron, don't you live there? Yes, I do. I do live there. Because of the GF. But um, but I'm here. That's what I did. I escaped winter. And so I came down here and I had fun. And if you guys would get off that damn internet and go play outside. It's the exact same advice your parents gave you back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Go play outside. Stop playing all those video games. Go play. So no, I've never been better. I, it's it's wonderful. I, I have not hit the gym because I've just been playing outdoors. I got a tan. Oh, do I got a tan. I look like fucking Atham right now. That's... <laughs> Although we did get burned. and uh, My buddy Richard, he happens to be black, and I was getting some suntan lotion. I say, hey, you want some suntan lotion? He's like... And he looked at me. He's like, I, I don't need suntan lotion. I'm like, hey, you, what, because you're black? He's like, yeah, blacks don't burn. I'm like... Bullshit, Blacks, you can get burned. He's like, not as easily as you. 
I'm like, well, yeah, I suppose, but if we're going to go out for 18 holes, this is Las Vegas. This He's like, no, I'll be fine. I'm like, okay, well, let me know if you need it. Guy was fine, perfectly fine. Oh, but yeah, it's it's uh, that's where I've been. That's what I've done. And uh, still got my work done, still caught up with asshole consulting, although now i got to do some more videos. Got a bunch of more email requests. I don't know what happened. I'm Asshole Consulting must have made it onto a discussion forum in like Spurgville and, and the Autisticons because man, have I had some some requests where, yeah, you, you don't, you got all your chromosomes, but your parents did their best to make sure you still acted like you have Down syndrome. And even the kids with Down syndrome got more logic than you do. This bullshit, this like, Pages and pages and pages. What the fuck? You haven't responded. Oh my god! Wait, I say, hey, 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 Sir Spurgalot, knock it the fuck off. I'll get back to you. Don't worry. The other request I also like is is you get this, oh, ninety five page Declaration of Independence, and then I go through that and I charge, I, I price it out. Say, okay, I answer, it's this much money. And then they pay. I'm like, okay, cool. But always, always, like, as if they hadn't written enough, then they got to add mission creep. Well, I was also wondering if you can... No, I can't fucking answer that. I'm not going to. And I, I, I will if you pay an extra $20. Okay, well, I just want to reiterate. Read it the first time. Got it. I got, I got some really dumb motherfucking clients. Now, most of you guys are nice and honest in it, but man, you guys without fathers, and uh, you just think that the world revolves around you. I, I love it when they tell me what to do. It's like, did you, did you even read the website? Do, do you even think? You're going to tell me what to do? <laughs> Why don't you go take your fucking pills and blame it on, uh, on uh, your, your, your duds? Oh, so, uh, yeah, so the captain is out here. Got to fly back tomorrow. Trying to arrange a ride to the airport. That's the tricky thing. Don't wanna, I don't want to do Uber. I've never done Uber, or at least paid for it. I rode along in an Uber once, and somebody paid for it. And then the only time, I've only ridden a taxi one time. It was in Chicago. Saw a girl go by on a pedal bike. That used to be when I was a big cyclist. And there was a race going down at Grand Park. And uh, we were just talking at the intersection. She was stopped. Me and my buddies were walking. We were stopped at an intersection, waiting for the red light. And I noticed her bike. And I used to work on uh, bikes. I used to assemble bikes back in the day. It was called manual labor. You millennials and Gen Zers don't know anything about it. Uh, it involves getting your hands dirty, calluses, occasionally a little nick and scratch or cut here and there, some blood. Did you know that inside... That pasty white skin of yours, suburbanite millennials and Gen Zers, that if you were to penetrate it, this, this red thing called blood comes out. It's called bleeding. Now, I know your lives have been so pampered and sheltered, you don't know what that is, but you can try it sometime. Oh, wait, some of you emotional, uh, hood, the hood, the hood, and ADHD, ADHD, girls already have with your fake cries for help. Anyway, I know you didn't know what that red stuff was coming out because you were too obsessed about. Uh, you know, twiddling your twat to get the attentions and whoring yourself out and freaking out your parents and everyone else around you because you cut across and not down. But that red stuff, if you paid attention to it because you were too busy 
basking in the glow of the attentions, not to mention taxpayer money shipping over ambulances and police and fire department. That red stuff is called blood. Um, you need it to survive. It circulates. Ah, you guys don't care about it. I don't care about it. Anyway, I used to assemble bikes uh, back in the old days. So I, I had an eye. I don't have an eye for uh, bikes anymore now. I, I even forget which bike she had. But it was an impressive bike. It was a racing bike. Uh, Shimano components. I remember that much. I said, oh, that's a... That's a da, da. She's like... Oh, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the... It wasn't that... Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't nagging. It was pre-wife. Remember how your your pre-wife called your girlfriend used to sound when she first met you? And then uh, and then after the marriage, it became. Well, she was more like that, uh, not the nagging. She's like, I'm like, oh, this you got. That. And she's like, yeah. I said, well, what's going on? Why? I saw all these bikers. Lots of bikers going around. And she says, oh, there's a, a, a race down at Grant Park. I say, so everybody is wasting their energy biking around? She's like, well, it's not really a race. The serious ones aren't biking around right now. They're you know, maybe loosening up a little bit. But no, it's, it's more just for fun. And I say, oh, cool. And, and then all of a sudden the light changed. I looked at her. She looked at me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she likes me. She says, well, well, maybe I'll see you down there. I'm like, yeah, maybe. And then me and I'm like, we're running. I'm like, Getting home, I was okay. We got to get a cab so I could get home. So we, I, the one and only time I ever sprung for a cab was that time back in '97. Got to my apartment, grabbed my bike, put us a bed, shoom, out to Grant Park. And even though there were five thousand cyclists, I found her. I found her, needle in a haystack. And then I proceeded to completely fuck that one up. Completely fuck that one up. She had a master's in finance. She used to work on oil rigs, petroleum engineering major undergrad. Gorgeous, absolutely botched. You're like, dude, Clary, that's your... Yep, yep. Oh, boys, you you are going to fuck it up. You're going to fuck it up because you're young and you don't know what you're like thinking you're going to hold out for that. "Eh, And I was impressed with her. There there was no doubt about it. But uh, I I screwed it up because she stepped on some tapes of mine when she got into the back of my car. I'm like, what are you doing? Look where you step. And then uh, she went away. Never heard from her again. Um, so I got. I don't want to get a. I don't want to get a Uber or a Lyft. I don't want to get a cab. So I'm calling all the friends. Uh, I think the the great Matt Baldoni's busy. He's he's always performing. And then um, I know some people at the cigar lounge. Usually they can. So I got some feelers out there, but it's coming down to the wire. It's coming down. Well, what is it? An hour? No, a day? Yeah, it's coming down to a day. Let me see how long, how far. Can I walk it? Or is it? Let's see how far it is. Henderson. We switch to walking. Ooh, that's going to... Huh, interesting. I could hike it. It's not that far from Henderson. It is on the south side. I have to leave at a crack of a fart in the morning to get there, though. Push comes to shove. Maybe I could have, like, 
Somebody drive me halfway on a one that saved myself. Oh, geez, Aaron, is that the Jew in you? Yep, darn right it is. Actually, it's not the Jew. It's the Aaron just is a cheap guy because it makes financial sense. Look at that. I, if I get halfway, it's a two-hour walk, not even, hour 40, if that. And then um, I get my walking, get my cardio. Maybe I'll do that. It's the annoyance of having to download the app. Oh, give us your credit card. Give us this. Give us that. Now set this. Hey, do you want to purchase this? Oh, we got an extra app. Hey, you know, decline, 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 decline. I want the fucking app. I want it simple. I'm shocked how much you guys will spend on a, on a, a cab or a Lyft or an Uber. Oh, we'll just Uber it. No, no, no. You don't just Uber it. That's 40 bucks. That's like the weekly grocery bill. What do you mean? It's the the concept. Like I'm not yet at the point that a twenty dollar bill means nothing to me, and it shouldn't mean nothing to you either. Twenty bucks is a lot of money. Like how many times have you been walking down the street? All right, you see a one dollar bill, you really excited. Oh, five. That was I think I think a ten dollar bill is the most I've ever found on the ground. I have never seen a twenty dollar bill on the ground. You know what I would do if I saw a $20 bill on the ground, even though I have my house back? I'd be so ecstatic. It, you, you, could, you could put a $50 deposit. And you know, let's say you want to be very nice and kind, and you decided to become a Patreon member, and you donate a one-time donation of 50 bucks. I, I'd be like, cool, 50 bucks. I would certainly appreciate it. But it's digital. You can't see it. You know, it got that green, that... that uh, Genetic conditioning that when you see that, that green back, you oh my God, it's money, it's value, it's time. That would not even compare to if I found a $20 bill on the street. I'd be like, Holy shit. Beers on me, everybody. Well, Uber, on average, with my friends I'm hanging around with, they're like, oh yeah, we'll just Uber it. Yeah, go to the, it's only, it's only $40. I'm like, there's no, I have never said that in my life. It's only $40. <laughs> I've never said that. I'm like, oh, dude, that's forty dollars. You put. It's gonna take you five dollars in gas. Let's go. I'll drive you. Don't don't bother. Like, well, because I had to drop him off my buddy Richard at the airport, and it was early. Yeah, because because he's weird. He's one of those Ward Cleaver types. Early to bed, early to rise. Very disciplined, and he gets the early flight. You know, I gotta make a meeting back there, and, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Driving down there at, what was it, 6 a.m.? Conversation wasn't even conversation. It was just me mumbling. Hey, Clary, you uh, going to do anything fun today? Well, where are you going to go get breakfast after this? He's all perky and fucking happy. He's one of those. Yes, exactly. He's one of those people. He's happy and smiley and perky in the morning. You're like, ah, fuck you. <laughs> hey, good morning, Clary. Ah, fuck off. Fuck off with you and your wide awake, well-rested, happy, healthy lifestyle with you and your perfect family, you. Let me go back to bed and fight alcoholism and smoke cigars and vice and be like Gollum and live in a cave. Anyway, um, so yeah, I got to line up lodging, or lodging, transport. <clears throat> but man, I want to drop that 40 bucks. Don't want to drop that 40 bucks. 
I'll tell you the story, and I'll tell it again, because it's, a, it's another one of the great ballads of Aaron Clary, History of Clary. Which, at any point in time, one of you musicians want to come up with the ballad of Aaron Clary, you may. Um, but twice it's happened at the Tampa International Airport. Uh, one time I was staying in an RV in the Walmart parking lot by Tampa. Atham looked this up. And um, I was transport, transporting the RV for a buddy of mine who was down in Tampa. He says, okay, one of my buddies will pick it up. Just leave it in the Walmart parking lot. I said, okay. So I slept in. I had a flight the next day at Tampa. And I looked at the map. Like, it's only like four hours, uh, four miles away. I can hoof that easy. And all I had was my bare, basic, bare bones uh, backpack with some under, underwears and some socks and toiletries. I'm like, I could do that. Put on my running shoes, ran it. Got to the airport. Sweaty as all hell. Because Florida, if you did not know... Especially during summer, which it was, is hot and humid. And then the other time I was down at Tampa, I, I had a hotel um, not too far away. It's by Charlie's. For those of you who are in the Tampa area, Tampa, St. Pete's area, you guys know Charlie's over on the highway there? Love that steakhouse. Love it. I'm not a big steak. I don't eat steak. Only time I ever had swordfish. Very unimpressed. Very bland. If you see a piece of paper, eat that. That's like eating swordfish. But they have a wonderful architecturally uh, uh, crafted bar. It's just wonderful. And you smell the, the meats being cooked and broiled. and Oh, that's, what, that's an experience right there. If you're ever down in Tampa, go to, go to Charlie's. The hotel was four at most blocks north of that. And if you look at the uh, map, with, which Atham should be doing, the airport's right there. And then I ran... Uh, from my my uh, hotel to that. Oh, and then you guys. Oh, oh, the guff I got from my friends. Because I'm impressed. You see, I'm excited. I, this, to me, this is an accomplishment. I beat uh, the real world. The real world is going to force me to take an Uber. Oh, no. Oh, no. So I I, uh, I tell them the story about, like, yeah, I put on my running shoes and ran. And then the coup d'etat, the great part, is you know you're going to be sweaty. And you got to kind of run. Uh, maybe it's a little bit illegal where I ran, but you got to run across some roads, and then you could get to the walkway. You got to. Uh, the, the last time I did it, I actually had to hop a fence because there was a construction site. Uh, any point, <clears throat> key point being is you stink like hell, and uh, I ended up going into the same door because uh, I was coming from the same direction. And I went to the exact same bathroom and washed out of the exact same sink basin because I had to, I knew I had to have an extra set of clothes. So took off my sweaty shirt, took off my uh, my uh, shorts, uh, got myself some nice pants and got a decent shirt. Washed myself down out of the sink. Didn't care who was looking. I bet you there was a couple like fathers who you know bring their little boys into the bathroom looking like there's a real man, there's an adventurer. I can't do that. That would be too socially awkward. I am socially. I'd be socially stigmatized. I'm, I'm socially anchored into this particular role I must play. But this guy is washing himself in a sink where he ran to the airport. He ran here. The dude ran to the airport. And so I'm telling my friends, so I cleaned up. Da, da, da. I got the TSA pre-check thing because I'm a better person than all you people who stick in the commoner lines. And uh, Which, by the way, everybody should get TSA pre-check. Absolutely get it. It's worth the 80 bucks. And then um, there I am, all clean, shaven, hair combed, coiffed just perfectly. Walked right up, TSA pre-check, all my stinky clothes in the backpack, not stinking nobody up. 
Now, I tell my friends this amazing story. The, ba- the great running ballad of Clary, parts one and two. There's the RV version and there's just the hotel version. And they just look at me like I'm crazy. And they're like, why didn't you Uber? I'm like, why would you Uber? I got a workout in. I got a story to tell. And I saved at least, well, between the two Ubers, at least $40, $50. They're shorter rides. He says, oh, why don't you Uber? What do you do? I don't want to Uber. All right, let's do some sponsors here. We gotta get the sponsors. Businessbuyeradvantage.com. Oh, hang on, I gotta burp. Oh, where'd that come from? Visit our buddy David over at businessbuyeradvantage.com. In order to get ahead and take advantage of tax laws and maximize your lifestyle, you need to be in business for yourself. It's faster, cheaper, easier, and less risky to buy an already successful business than it is to try to do a startup. Access tons of free information about how to buy or sell a business at businessbuyeradvantage.com. If you like what you see and want to go deeper by taking the Business Buyer Advantage course online, use the discount code CLARY to get a special price. Um, so you could go there. Basically, if you're thinking about buying a business, and I am not joking, I'm not saying this because he's paying me. I'm saying it because it's true and he's paying me. Um, go, go talk to David. Don't cash in your RRSP or your 401k and go bankrupt buying some some worthless business that's, that's, and there's worse than worthless, there's negative worth businesses that just eat away all your savings. If you'd like to buy the Clary Podcast archives, you can. I will mail you a thumb drive with all the Clary Podcasts on one convenient hard drive. And hey, guess what? Free thumb drive, free, uh, free hard drive there. Uh, it's $35. Uh, the reason it's that is because I got to cover the hard drive cost, and then there's shipping and mailing, and then there's my time, and I'm actually not making that much money. Um, I gotta go drive down to the post office. It takes a little bit of time to add an additional incentive because I know all my audience is uh, male. I'll throw in a picture of Cindy Moran from my book, uh, not book, but the backup Cap- uh, Captain Capitalism. No, what was it? Captain's Quarterly, which was actually quite successful, except for the fact I couldn't find any more freaking models. Because the prettier a girl is, that when she's in model territory, she's about as reliable. It's a retarded dachshund. Actually, retarded dachshunds are probably more reliable. The Clary Podcast is also sponsored by A King's Castle at at akingscastle.com. King's Castle is a place for men who want to leave a legacy and advance Western civilization. With daily articles by various authors, lively commenters who have both serious discussion and fun-loving jokes, a forum for more serious discussions, and even the occasional lulzy troll, you want to make a King's Castle a daily visit or add it to your RSS feed. Whether you're a father, someone who wants to become one, or just a masculine man looking for more than just banging women, a King's Castle is the step in Manosphere sites that will encourage you to become a man with a long-term purpose. Stop by a King's Castle today. I'm sorry. Stop by a King's Castle.com today, and they also have a YouTube channel. Patreon. I got a Patreon account. Check that out. Patreon.com slash Aaron Clary. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, I got the old one. MTFUnow.com. Oh, no, I don't got the new one. I got the old one. I've got a post. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Invisible Hand site. And um, you know what? I'm going to put the note down here. I'm going to do that in the second one. The Invisible Hand. Invisible Hand. And then uh, Steve's Jerky. we got to do Steve's Jerky. Yeah, the invisible hand. There's mtfunow.com. we got those guys. I think those are it. 
That's it. Okay. All right. I got everybody else there. All right. If not, I'll I'll plug you guys on the blog or something. We'll send some more traffic your way. So all right. Uh, then some of the more of the standard sponsors on the sponsor list I got here. Patreon. I got a Patreon account. If you want to donate one time, multiple times, you can do that. Patreon.com slash Aaron Clary. I also have a PayPal account. And uh, if you go to CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com, off on the right banner, don't say you couldn't find it. If you didn't look hard enough, it's there. Uh, you can click on the PayPal banner. You do a one-time donation, monthly donation. PayPal, I get you, you, I get more of the money. Patreon charges a 10% fee. That's how they make the money. PayPal only charges 3%. Up to you. I know everybody uses Patreon because it's like the Xerox of the Kleenex. Everyone's just gone that way. Everyone uses the Googles. Uh, my Amazon affiliate program, if you haven't bought anything, go ahead and buy that stuff online.now. Again, go to my site first, captivecapitalism.blogspot.com. Look for the Amazon banner. It's on the right. Don't tell me it's not there. It's there. And while you're there, at minimum, get yourself some nose hairs trimmers. It's already been a week, and I, I left mine at home, and I'm already pulling nose hairs out of my nostrils. And it looks gross, but I don't care because I'm getting to the old man stage where I really don't care anymore. We got my books, which are of amazing benefit to you, and I give you the 10, uh, not 10, 10 times the 1,000% rate of return guarantee, meaning if you spend the $20 on a book, you will save $200 easy over the course of your life, if you follow the wisdom within those books. In other words, you are I am paying you to buy these books when you buy the books from me. So those books are Reconnaissance Man. For any one of you who say, I don't know what to do after graduating from high school, or I'm in college, I don't know what to study, I'm thinking about getting out of college, I'm in my 20s, I'm kind of lost. If you're lost in your 20s, get this book Reconnaissance Man. And read through it, and then you're like, oh, I don't have to rush off to college. Oh, I can go have fun while I'm young and not a crippled, decrepit. So that's there. The Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty. Uh, we know, uh, know we have a lot of uh, uh, young black men who are tuning in because you, you took the red pill, and this is kind of the economics finance world of the red pill community. Uh, go read the book, Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty. If you happen to be a black man and in poverty and you would like to get out. But if you don't want to get out, you can stay in poverty and keep voting Democrat. Uh, Bachelor Pad Economics, that's for everybody. Every young man out there, every old man out there, every middle-aged man out there. And women too. Women too. Ladies, if you would like to know how to work hard, major in STEM, and well, you don't. <laughs> no, some do. Uh, but whether you're a guy or a gal, uh, the financial laws of economics apply universally to everybody. So get that book, Bachelor Economics. Worthless! The Young Person's Indispensable Guide to Choosing the Right Major. High school graduation is coming up. Consider about getting that as a gift, a graduation gift for whoever you know that's graduating. Enjoy the decline, accepting living with the death of the United States. I haven't watched the news. That's another thing that so I was so happy. I said, you hear what Robert Mueller did? Oh, did you hear the Trump and this thing and that? No, I didn't. I did not. I heard wind up on top of Black Mountain. I heard um, silence hiking through the Golden Spike hike down to the Colorado River. Uh, and I heard good conversation with my buddy Richard. And uh, I'm going to go out on the golf course, I think, here. Again, I'm going to go listen. It's not that windy. I'm just going to listen maybe to some birds chirp and then people hitting the balls with their drivers, the, the titanium drivers people hit with. You can hear this pink. It's a very distinctive sound. And that's what I'm going to hear. 
Um, because I don't, I don't want to hear the news. I don't want to hear the news. I don't want to listen to conservative right-wing talk radio anymore either because it's all the same crap. Oh, it's a new bit of crazy and you guys are 100% right, but it's a therapy. It's group therapy is what it is. Nobody recommends anything to do. Did you hear this crazy thing happening over here at this crazy university? Oh my God, the craziness. Yeah, all right. How many times are we going to do this? Anyway, enjoy the decline. You guys are all worried. If you're, if you're sad about the future of the United States, you're worried about, read the book. Read the book. You'll, it'll make you happier. That one you may not make your money back, but I guarantee you, you'll be happier. You'll be as happy as me. See how happy I am today? Curse of the high IQ. That's for all you smart people out there who are wondering, why the hell isn't everybody like me? Well, read that book and you'll find out. Poor Richard's Retirement, that is an absolute must for everybody. I don't know why that's not my number one bestseller. Um, get that one. That's a good essay. It's really an essay. Then we got other people's books, Run Guts, Pull Cones, and Pushing Rubber Downhill by our good friend Adam Piggott. He, his latest podcast, he, now he runs a website, pushingrubberdownhill.com, which is also the name of his first book. And then, kind of like me, he's a, a jack of all trades, or what is it, triple threat, triple threat. He podcasts, blogs, and writes books. Um, oh, I guess he doesn't have a YouTube ch- channel. I take that back. He's oh wait, he blogs, podcasts, and uh, writes books. I guess I'd be a quadruple threat in that. If you YouTube on top of it, then you're a quadruple threat. Uh, anyway, he's a triple threat. But his last podcast, you got to tune into the story when he was the most hungover ever, and that is hilarious. And then he talks about. This hippie commune uh, festival that the two uh, lesbian broads, uh, because fathers aren't necessary, who killed their entire family by uh, ramming their SUV off the road because they just love the children so much. Actually, I'm going to talk about that. Let's add that to the list of things. I'll just type in lesbian parents killed. I think it was all... Minority children. Virtue signaling. Virtue signaling family. Look, if you have nothing else going on in your life that all you can do is virtue signal and tell people how virtuous you are, not only are you scum and a coward and a weakling and an inferior piece of shit, you know it. And deep down inside, you're going to have mental issues. Now, it may not manifest itself in this horrific display of destruction where you killed yourselves and your children you presumably love, but you didn't because you loved yourself more than you, uh, than these kids you purportedly claim to help. Um, but you, you will pay a psychological toll. Look at the amazing atheist. Oh my God. You want to talk about somebody's like just tortured inside. Not that my life is without static. I'll pay anyone a nickel if you could tell me where that quote comes from. Your life doesn't have static... Snap into a turbo dog. Are you a Heather? Never mind. Probably gave it away right there. Dreadful etiquette, I apologize. Every Gen X was like, I know that one. I know that one. Anyway, so Adam Piggott talked about that, but the the coup d'etat of that of that episode was him uh talking about him up in Italy. 
and uh, being hungover more than he ever had been. And I have had two experiences like that. Maybe, maybe only one, but I had a second that probably came pretty close. Uh, but tune into that. Read his books, uh, Round Guts, Pull Cones, Pushing Rubber Downhill. I, I have to say, and I'm not saying because he's a friend of mine or um, that he's never sent me some Irish Spring soap in the mail. Apparently, it's just a one-way giving uh, relationship here. I mean, I, I send him these fine gifts like loofahs and Irish Spring, and I don't get nothing in return. You know, I just kind of... But, you know, he's, he's an international man adventurer. He's a gentleman adventurer. I'm just, you know, the schlep who goes around and yells at the internet. Um, but, all, in all seriousness, his book, Pushing Rubber Downhill, is a must. I would rank it up there with my own, Bachelor Pad Economics. I'd rank it up there with um, The Way of Men, Jack Donovan's book. Um, i trying to remember who else's books I've read that it's, that it's up there. And there could be other books on masculinity that are out there that are just as good, even better perhaps, that I haven't read. Um, but pushing rubber downhill is more of a, I, I wouldn't even say, um, it's a case study, you know, the way of men is forming tribes and masculinity and survival. Bachelor pad economics is a how to manual in finance. Pushing rubber downhill is a case study of watching a young man go from a complete fucking, uh, fuck up at the age of 18, which is all, all we are to the accomplished gentleman adventurer that he is today. And it's wincing and painful at times, especially if you're older. Like, if the first couple of chapters, you're like, oh, God, no, what? No, don't, don't. Almost like a horror film. No, don't go in the basement. No, don't drive after her. No, he did, he did. Oh, no, what's going to happen? I think the worst part of it especially because you're younger, and this will happen to all of you, and it's fine. I'm not giving too much of the book away. Is when he drives out to meet his, to, to go after his girlfriend because she moved across the country in Australia. And she's like, oh yeah, we're boyfriend and girlfriend still. And men, I don't know if you ladies knew this, men, uh, we use language because the words have meaning. You know, like, those are my sunglasses. What that means is there are some sunglasses right here. I have them on the table. I purchase them, and they are mine. And the words those, indicating those sunglasses, are my, my meaning ownership, sunglasses. So, so you know, ah, Aaron has uttered the English words. The wind came out of his mouth. His tongues and lips made it sound a certain way. And those words convey not only vital, but very accurate information. That is a bottle of water. I am going to go golfing. That kind of thing. So what women don't understand, women apparently have, there's a secondary, like you can switch between literal and female versions of English. So if a girl says, I want you to buy me a drink, there's a pretty good chance the words that were coming out of her mouth meant, she said, I, meaning her, want you, desires you, she's pointing at you now, to buy me a drink, meaning get your money, meaning your time and labor, your, your time, your finite time. I would like you to transfer part of your finite life in the form of money to, and by the way, I don't want to go to the bar and get it myself. I want you to expend further amounts of your finite life and time to fetch me the drink. Give me that drink, meaning drink, and give it to me. So transfer ownership of it from you to her. They're pretty literal when it comes to that. 
But then when it says, yeah, we're still going out, yeah, now you, and then what, what happens is, it's going to happen to all you boys, if not multiple times, is where the girl does not have the balls. And you girls wonder, like, we're equal. Nope, not in this capacity. You are not equal in all things. You are drastically inferior in this. And this should be shameful because if, it's, it's one thing. Are women going to go ask guys out? Okay, well, you're women. You don't. Are women going to be physically strong? Is it? No, you're not because of biology. There's, there's good things and bad, bad things to not be equal in. Again, the complementary nature where men are weak, women are strong. Where women are weak, men are strong. But when it comes to honoring your word... And, I, and now women are going to switch to female English and not literal English because, ooh, that doesn't sound good. Honoring my word. Ooh. Ooh, I, ooh, that sounds like responsibility. That sounds like inconvenience and discomfort. And even though I'm not from North America, I am in Western civilization. Uh, when you don't tell the guy, I don't want to date you no more because you just ain't got the balls, you lack the courage, and you think he's going to get the hint, you boys have got to look at her actions not her words. And it happened to every guy where you're like all of a sudden the girl stops calling you. And this is girls you're dating. This isn't like a girl you you dated two or three times. It's like your girlfriend all of a sudden stops calling you. You don't hear from her. And you have every other well, dude, what's going on? Meaning what? Uh, uh, you're curious about an issue or a topic is, meaning the current events of things happening, going on. What What is the, I am missing something here. And I would like to know what is going on. And then you get the voicemail, and then it goes there, and you don't get your texts responded, but we didn't have text back in those days. And Adam's so old they didn't they didn't have telephones. That's why he had to ride his horse and buggy across the Great Plains of Australia and fight the Indians. It's basically the American history, but down south. Uh and then knock on her door. And uh she <laughs> classical cowardice of women. Didn't have the balls to tell him we're through, we're not going out. Would have saved that poor young Adam Piggott. Gosh, what was it? A week driving across the country? And that's the least of it. The worst of it is where you're clueless and delusional and you get panicky and you're freaking out. Because frankly, girls ain't got the balls to treat you as an equal. Or act as an equal, I should say. You just got to figure it out. He'll inevitably go away and stop calling. It's like the equivalent of dumping a girl over text. If you guys ever dated a girl, and I, I don't know about you guys, but every time I would break up with a girl, I'd be like, I owe it to her to go up to her in person and tell her it's not going to work out. I, I should do that. Now I'm not, so, I'm not so sure. You could do that out of morals and principles, maybe for your own benefit. Um, I, I, to feel good about yourself, but... I don't know if in today's age, and that's not even today's age, it was the same thing back in Pickett's and my generation, where, where these girls would just leave you high to dry and not have the decency, the uh, civility. to t- And then you just like, so I, maybe, maybe you should just dump girls over text. Heck, it'd be a lot, a blunt uh, but polite email or voicemail or text that's more than what a lot of these girls gave the guy. They just wouldn't say anything. <laughs> then he didn't know. That was the weird thing. Is like, here's the, you had yourself the girlfriend. Now think about this. I bet you this ran through Piggott's mind. Bet you this happened. He's driving across the country. 
under the premise that he still has this girlfriend. And then he gets there and his calls aren't going answered. And that happens and you're like, hey, I thought, and you keep calling and you're like, wait a minute, am I stalking my own girlfriend? <laughs> am I being creepy? Is are she going to call the cops on me? And that's the position girls put poor boys in. And you're like, well, maybe I should. And all you want is like maybe resolution or just a straight up answer. And then, and, oh, no, there you go. and then you inevitably go. And then that begins your journey to becoming a man. That is the first and, and major step in you truly understanding the nature of women. You, you, when you just don't set your, your expectations to that of an equivalent of a man. Now, some women will actually rise and exceed that expectation. God bless them. God bless them. But when it comes to that, you'll be like, oh, there's a game. <laughs> Words, see, in, in male world, we use English. But in female world, there's two variants of English that have drastically different meanings. And thus, the game begins. And then you come seeking us out over reading our books, over at Asshole Consulting, over Return of Kings, um, over at Chateau Hartiste, and you discover the interwebs. And to make it worse, just so you appreciate it, just to show you how barbaric times were, we didn't have no interwebs. You had to figure this out on your own. You had to figure out analog. You had to talk to men. And rarely, especially these baby boomer men, oh, they were worthless. They didn't give you no advice. Every once in a while, you would find an old guy and he'd tell you the truth, but you wouldn't believe it because you were so indoctrinated. Oh, I'm going to be nice and kind and sweet because that's what girls like. That makes sense. And that's what my mom told me. Anyway, go check out his site, pushyrubberdownhill.com. Listen to that latest podcast. Another podcaster, Kerry Lutz. He has a book on podcasting called Viral Podcasting. You check out uh, Kerry's site at financialsurvivalnetwork.com. But if you're interested in becoming a podcaster, which I recommend everyone should do, if you've got an expertise or a specialty or you know, you got a hobby, just like to talk about it, yeah, absolutely, go do it. And then um, Glorious Carl's book, uh, Trade the Ratio. And Roland Tomasi uh, at uh, therationalmail.com. He has three books out, the most recent one being Positive Masculinity. And if you'd like to, buy some whiskey from his site, tapwhiskey.com. Tap whiskey, without the E, dot com. And that should be enough of the sponsors there. Oh, look, 45 minutes. What time is it? It's 1. You know what? I'm going to take a break and go golf, and we'll come back with the news. Now, listen, man. I like the news. You guys like the news? All right. I am back from golf. Yeah, I have my best game. My best game ever. I had four pars. Most of the other par means you hit what you're supposed to hit, for those of you not in the golf world. If you go over par, you get a points, and points are bad. If you go below par, you take away points, and taking away points are good. And uh, I was like one, two above par, which is great for a rookie like me. couple fives. There were two fives in there. The putting did not go the way it was supposed to. Uh, but uh, yeah, just onesie two, it was good. Really, I never had, I only had one par before one birdie. And this time I had uh, four pars. Got a little more sun. It was 82 degrees. Might have got up to 84. It was slightly uncomfortable, but the wind came in and cooled things down. Uh, so it, it was tolerable. It was doable. But, all right. 
the news from the New York Times, which they don't realize the articles they're writing mocks and ridicules their own ideology. Um, uh, what is it? Benedict Carey and Robert Gebeloff. Many people taking antidepressants discover they cannot quit. You mean if you constantly rely on a drug to produce serotonin and other endorphins, your brain's natural ability to, to do it will go away? And then here's the cloud, God. Oh, God. Like I said, I just skimmed the articles, guys. I forgot about this. There's a picture of a woman by herself wrapped up in a blanket all dark and dingy. And guess what's with her? Take a wild guess what's with her. A cat. The subtitle here on the picture says Victoria Tolene needed nine months to taper off of Zoloft. I had to drop out of school, she said. My life's been on hold. Oh, you can't. You just can't handle any, there can't be any discomfort in life, can you, little Westerners? I can see why the rest of the world hates us. I really can. Oh. It, it's a stereotype, but it's real. And, and, and the left, because this comes from the New York Times, and no, you're not a, a piece of journalism. You are a, a propagandist leftist piece. That's what you are. You guys don't realize how idiotic you look. Victoria Tolene would hunch over the kitchen table, steady her hands, and draw a bead of liquid from a vial with a small dropper. It was a delicate operation that had become a daily routine, extracting ever tinier doses of the antidepressant she had taken for three years on and off and was desperately trying to quit. Well, I don't know, pick up a hobby, go run, go do something. Basically, that's all I've been doing, dealing with the dizziness, the confusion, the fatigue, all the symptoms of, with, of withdrawal, said Miss Tolling of 27 of Tacoma, Washington. Wow, you live up there. You live in Seattle. There's no, no sun. No wonder you're all depressed. I'd kill myself, too, if I was a depressed 27-year-old who hasn't had a fucking degree yet, lives in fucking Tacoma, Washington, and is like a cat lady. It took nine months to wean her off from the drug Zoloft, by taking increasingly smaller doses. I couldn't finish my college degree. Oh, and what? Nuclear engineering? You're weak. That's what it is. You people are weak. You've never challenged yourself. And then when you're dumped out in the real world, and mom and dad and the government finally pull all the supports away, you are not strong enough because you weren't working out enough, metaphorically speaking, to handle the demands of the real world. And you go run into to drugs or booze or uh, legal prescription drugs or whatever. <sighs> Only now am I feeling well enough to try to re-enter society and go back to work. Long-term use of the antidepressants is surging in the United States, according to a new analysis of federal data by the New York Times. <laughs> Most of you are interested in this because you have a personal vested interest in it, I bet. How many sad, pathetic people are there out there like us? Some 15.5 million Americans have been taking medications for at least five years. 15.5, 300,000, 30 would be 10%, 5% arms. That's just depressants. That's just, and those people have been taking it for five years. How many of them were on it once or twice? I mean, you know, for, for a shorter stint. The rate has almost doubled since 2010 and now more than tripled since 2000. We're going in the right direction. We elected Obama. 
We keep voting in more government. Your teachers are your friends and are a bunch of pushover, pushover pussies. Your parents are your butt. And we are going the right... Fuck, fuck what those stupid, predominantly white, Western culture motherfuckers back in the 40s and 50s who survived the Great Depression and World War II knew. Yeah, fuck Junior Ward Cleaver, right? Fuck that shit. What the fuck did they know? They didn't have the social sciences from the 60s, 70s, and 80s to tell us what we should know. They only had all of human history. Uh, nearly 25 million adults like Ms. Toline have been on antidepressants for at least two years. All right. So almost twice the amount. Uh, so almost 10% of the population has been on it for at least two years. How many people have been on it, period? Half? A uh, 60% increase since 2010. 60% increase in eight years. I, I want to know if it's millennials. I want to know if it's you weak motherfucking pussies. I know a lot of you millennial boys and girls listen to this show. You know I'm not talking about you. You guys are like, what, you got to be what, in the top 5%? Simply because you're not a ranked leftist? The drugs have helped millions of people ease depression and anxiety and are widely regarded as milestones in psychiatric treatment. No, they have made billions for the psychology industry and big pharma. That's what they've done. And I'm not a big conspiracy guy. I'm not all big oil. Uh, there is big uh, psychology and pharma pharmacy, uh, 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 pharmaceuticals. And there is uh, big education. I'll grant you that. Because it's so painfully obvious. Oh, yeah. How many diseases have increased in the DSM, what, 7, 20, 30? What are we up to now on the DSM? What new creative diseases are people, oh, he, he has going outside disease. He has wipe his own ass disease. Do you know one in 16 people suffer from the condition of wipe assia? They can't wipe their own asses. No, it's not because their father wasn't around and no one ever spanked them and their parents let them shit their pants. It's a mental disorder. What, again, I am curious, what would happen to the prevalence of mental disease if you had not only nuclear families, everybody had a nuclear family, but the dad was a masculine, disciplinary, not, not, a, not a totalitarian, but he believed in discipline, and they stayed married until the kids got out of school. I wonder what would happen to mental disorders. But don't worry. Big Daddy government and Obama and, and the, the life of Paula, or whatever her name was. You social scientists and psychologists, you know so much better. Don't worry, you're only hurting your own. <laughs> you're only hurting your own, I don't care. It's just like big education. You're only hurting your own. Leftist-leaning liberal arts. You might as well not even call it the liberal arts, just call it the leftist arts. You guys hurt your own. Uh, many, perhaps most people, stop the medications without significant trouble. Yeah, I, got, I noticed you guys didn't bother to look that data up, did you? But the rise in long-term use is also the result of an unanticipated and growing problem. Many who try to quit say they cannot because of withdrawal symptoms they were never warned about. Well, looks like there's a lawsuit involved here. Come on, you have the big tobacco. Oh, would that be great if you guys went after people who created Adderall and the ADHD drugs, and all these drugs, oh my god. You millennials want a way to pay back your student loans? You go and you sue big pharmaceuticals. 
for all these bullshit drugs they gave you for your made-up bullshit psychological disorders. Oh, we all know it's bullshit. We all know that. But you guys should go after Big Pharma. You get your, your $50,000 check. Right? You go testify in front of Congress. Well, my dad wasn't around, but that has nothing to do with it. I just, I just happen to be a fucking pussy. And that's why I need drugs. But they didn't tell me the drugs would have side effects. I, they only said it would affect my brain. I do feel sorry for the kids who were put on it by their parents that didn't know any better. I, I, and and uh, you're, not, you're not at fault there. But my God, are a bunch of you a bunch of insufferable assholes. Not the charming assholes like me where you'd like to have a beer with me. You guys are fucking annoying assholes. You run around. You're the types to believe that there's 43 flavors of gender. You treat your mental disorder as some kind of fucking pride. No, no, no. Now you're just annoying adults. That's what it is. It, it, I felt bad for you, like, you know, oh, 15 years ago when you, you, you're three or five years old and uh, your parents put you on it. Yeah, but now that you're like 18, 19, 20, 20, 30, and you're, no, 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 no. But you guys, oh, mark my words, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Big Pharma is going to get sued by the millennial generation. And Big Pharma should get sued by the millennial generation. Now, if you had any intellectual honesty, you guys would yell at your parents. That's if you could find your father, so your mother's going to have to take the brunt of it. Because he just was the most... And he changed on me. He just changed. He became an asshole. He's a complete dick. He's a complete moron. But he was nice enough I let him put his penis inside my vagina and that's the loving story how you came to be, Madison, Tanner, Tyler, Tanner. Some scientists long ago anticipated that a few patients might experience withdrawal symptoms if they tried to stop. That goes through anything. called it discontinuation syndrome, yet with yet withdrawal has never been a focus of drug makers or government regulators who felt antidepressants could not be addictive and did far more good than harm. The drugs initially were approved for short-term use, following studies typically lasting about two months. Even today, there's little data about their effects on people taking them for years, although there are now millions of such years. There's no, there's no data? Have you seen the millennials? I... I hate to keep bringing them up because it's like a broken record, but they're such a fascinating study of what happens when you uh, uh, intoxicate an entire generation of children with chemicals at very early ages when the brains are still developing, and then you take away the father and you replace it with a government check, you, and then if there is a father there, you uh, ruin him, or, you know, the family, the nuclear family, the father, by making him emasculated. By saying, oh no, your parents don't know anything. Here, take this back. You're, you guys have white privilege. We're going to raise you at, at the state. You, father, tuck your tails behind your legs. Go away. We, we, have, we have ample amounts of data. You ruin, a, it's a waste, I can't say it again. The millennials are a wasted crop of humans. And that is really tragic. Because it takes 18 years to grow a human. It's a quarter million, tons of resources to raise a human. And we managed to waste an entire generation. What, 90 million, 100 million? How many millennials are out there? Mao Zedong was at least kind enough to put the people out of their misery by killing them. 
We're just going to torture these fuckers until they're dead. <sighs> Expanding use of antidepressants is not just an issue in the United States. Across much of the developed world, long-term prescriptions are now on the rise. Prescription rates have doubled over the past decade in Britain, where health officials in January began a nationwide review of prescription drug dependency and withdrawal in New Zealand. Notice this isn't happening in Mexico or, you know, China. I don't think Japan. Does Japan have a huge medical epidemic or over-the-counter drugs epidemic? Yet the medical profession has no good answer for people struggling to stop taking the drugs, no scientific back guidelines, no means to determine who's at highest risk, no way to tailor appropriate strategies to individuals. Quit cold turkey, suffer the consequences, go run, diet right, find hobbies. Some people are essentially being parked on those drugs for convenience's sake because it's difficult to tackle the issues of taking them off, said Dr. Anthony Kendrick, a professor of primary care at the University of Southampton in Britain. With government funding, he is developing online and telephone support to help practitioners and patients. Should we really be putting so many people on antidepressants long-term when we don't know if it's good for them or whether they'll be able to come off, he said. Oh, you're asking these questions now? Now, we're asking this 30, 40 years later? Antidepressants were originally considered a short-term treatment for episodic mood problems to be taken for six to nine months, enough to get through a crisis and no more. Later studies suggested that maintenance therapy, longer term and often open-ended use, could prevent a return to depression in some patients, but those trials very rarely lasted more than two years. Once the drug is approved, physicians in the United States have wide latitude to prescribe it as they see fit. The lack of long-term data did not prevent doctors from placing tens of millions of Americans on antidepressants indefinitely. Most people are put on these drugs in primary care after a very brief visit and without clear symptoms of clinical depression. Hang on, let me read this again. Most people are put on these drugs in primary care after a very brief visit and without clear symptoms of clinical depression, said Dr. Alan Francis, a professor emeritus of psychiatry at Duke University. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that. You walk in, oh, I got the bad feels. Oh, here's some drugs. Wait a minute. That happened to me. That's right. I, not for, say, I went in, I did the physical checkup where the finger goes up your ass. And I, I'll say it again. Real men at the age of 40 have another man's, or I guess it could be a woman's finger. They have somebody's finger shoved up your ass to make sure you ain't got the, the ass cancer or colon cancer, rectal cancer, whatever. Do that, guys, if you haven't. But among other things, they did blood tests. Oh, geez, you got really high cholesterol. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, let's put you on a statin. I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on there, cowboy. Diet? Exercise? Drink red wine? What, just just pill right away? I said, no, I'm not going on a statin. I'll go research and change my diet. And I did. Haven't had my blood work done yet. That's coming up when I get back to the cold state of Minnesota. But yeah, these doctors, they just, oh, yeah, here's a drug. Pop a pill. It's too hard. It's too hard for Tolene to go outside and go for a run. So I'm going to sit here with Mr. Mr. Muffins, little Mr. Kitty Mittens. What are the cats called? Mittens. That's it. Little Kitty Mittens. Going to look outside and there's no sun in Tacoma, Washington. That'll solve my problems. Feeling sorry for myself. Usually there's improvement, and it, often it's based on the passage of time or placebo effect. Oh, God, guys, guys, okay. I know I'm reading you the article. You have to go to this article. Look up the title. The title, again, is 
Many people taking antidepressants discover they cannot quit. So the first picture, cat lady, all sad and moody, probably major in the liberal arts. Next picture, not joking. The, the media left have no idea how they mock themselves. They're clueless. This isn't even a Daily Mail article where I, I know I appreciate you guys sending me Daily Mail articles. I don't, those aren't real. Those are tabloids. They're, they're too juicy. They're fake. All right. But the New York Times, which is presumably this prestigious, oh my God, where they're the real media, they're the fourth branch of government. It's, you, right now, you can't tell the difference. So here's a picture of a 50, 55-year-old woman. Oh, she's so sad. The subtitle says, Robin Hempel began taking antidepressants on the advice of her gynecologist. A year and a half after stopping, I'm still having problems, she said. I'm not me right now. I, do you run? Do you work out? Do you have good social friends? Do you... It's not the drugs, guys. It's not the drugs. Oh, I admit you take it for a long time. It's going to fuck with your head. The answer is not the pill. But the patient and doctor don't know this and give the antidepressant credit it doesn't deserve. Both are reluctant to stop what appears to be a winner and the useless prescription may be continued for years or a lifetime. But the government said it was okay. The Times analyzed data gathered since 1999 as part of the National Health and Nutrition Examined Survey. Overall, more than 34.4 million adults took antidepressants in 2013 to 2014. God almighty, 34.4 million. Up from 13 point, it, it tripled. It tripled from, thir in 13 years, it tripled. Of over over one-tenth of the population takes drugs. It takes antidepress antidepressants. Just antidepressants. Oh, adults over 40, women and whites, were more likely to take antidepressants than younger adults, men and minorities. There we go. There we go. One for us, guys. One for the men, one for the minorities, and one for the young people. Prissy little white girls, the way, oh, you got, you, I, and feminism has nothing to do with this. Nothing. I'm sure it's, it, you know what, it's extra discrimination. Oh, wait, it can't be because minorities are on it less. It's so stereotypical, but it's true. The, the, the mopey cat lady, you, you could say it's been overused. You could say have fun with your cats, but it's true. It's so true. And I remember, okay, adults over 45, I'm, I'm pushing that. Women and whites, I'm not a woman, but I am white. I saw, this is my generation coming up. And by God, I remember being told almost as early as the 70s, definitely the early 80s. Well, girls were equal and women could do everything. Rah, 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 rah. And you girls, you had it. You had everything. You had Murphy Brown. You had whatever you could do and go and jump and be happy. Go work your ass off. Commute. Get your master's degrees in public health administration. Divorce that son of a bitch. And oh, are they all so happy now. <laughs> I'm sure it has nothing to do with the destruction of the nuclear family and feminism, feminism lying to you women that you guys are the most uh, 
uh, addicted of the group on antidepressants. You guys got, look, how much more feminism do you want? It's kind of like the left, you know, like, oh, we tripled the spending on the social problem that probably got worse. Well, we didn't spend enough. <laughs> you need more feminism? Look, we gave you everything you want. We even gave you legs up preferential treatment. You, you got everything you want. He doesn't, well, you didn't give us enough feminism enough. We need more. And I'm, oh, am I happy to give it to you people? Oh, take all the drugs you want. Oh, take all, be, be feminist, be leftist. Go get your doctorate in puppetry studies. Go, go, go. Because I won't be the one crying myself to bed at night at the age of 62 because I pissed away my life. Uh, but usage is increasing in older adults across the demographic spectrum. Right, because they all decided, oh, we don't want no kids. Uh, we don't. We prefer to have social security checks. Why would we have killed children or family take care of us? Screw that. Uh, here's a chart. Oh, yeah, five years or more. That's up. Onesie, twosie, kind of eh. Three to five is a little bit of bump. White women, oh, my God. Okay, here, guys. The New York Times, who do you think, tell me if this is the same group of people, all right? They're going to talk about, I predict they're going to talk about a group of people on drugs. Now, you tell me who writes for the New York Times, believes everything in the New York Times, and propagates its propaganda. White women over 45 account for about one-fifth of the adult population, but account for 41% of antidepressant users? Holy shit! Terrence Pop is listening to this, and I hope all you guys out there who got divorced and raped in divorce court, I hope all of you that, you know, the women treated you like shit and the dating was horrible, and if, if you're my, eh, we could say my age and older, I'm not, in, I'm not 45, but I know a lot of people who are. If, if you want vengeance, this is it. 40, 40, let me read this again. White women over 45 account for one-fifth of the adult population, but account for 41%. 41%. What's the math on that? that? That's not 4 in 10. It's worse than that. Hang on, hang on. Let me pause and do the math here. Never mind. It's not, it's not proportional. You have to know the... <clears throat> total number, I thought it was like, is 4 in 10, is, that didn't make any sense. No, not 4 in 10 women are on antidepressants uh, over 45. It's, it's much lower than that. But you can see, you, what is it? That is, that's twice, that's twice the rate that should be. Up from 30% in 2000, the analysis found. Older white women account for 58% of those on antidepressants long term. <clears throat> wow. Guys, you go to the chart and the white women are just blowing everybody else. White men, younger adults, minority women, minority men. Dude, minority men, you guys are happier than fuck. Look at this. None of you are on antidepressants. Bare, yeah, not even, not even half a million. Eight, over 8 million women, white women 45 plus, are on antidepressants. God, and it's up. Over 400%. It just skyrockets in 2010. Girls, how can that be? You voted Obama. 
You are so happy. Minority women even took a jump up, even though they're very low. I mean, their percentages tripled under Obama. That shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. What you see is the number of long-term users just piling up year after year, said Dr. Mark Olofsson, a professor of psychiatry at Columbia University. Dr. Olofsson and Dr. Ramin Majtabai, a professor of psychiatry at John Hopkins University, assisted the Times with the analysis. Still, it's not all clear that everyone... I, I can't wait till see, to see what they speculate is the cause of this. Well, you see, we just... Uh, maybe we're just diagnosing it better. and Women have the money now to come in and say, Oh, I'm depressed. Give me some shit. Uh, <clears throat> most doctors agree that a subset of users benefit from lifetime prescription, but disagree over how large the group is. Dr. Peter Kramer, a psychiatrist and author of several books about antidepressants, said that while he generally looks to wean patients with mild to moderate depression off medications, some report that they do better on it. There's a cultural question here, which is how much, depre which is how much depression people should have to live with when we have these treatments that give so many a better quality of life. I don't think that's a question that should be decided in advance. Uh, in advance. <clears throat> Antidepressants are not harmless. They commonly cause emotional numbing, sexual problems like a lack of desire, erectile dysfunction, and weight gain. Well, no wonder no women want to have They're all on drugs. <laughs> See? Here the, for all the brothers out there that want to go chase a white woman, that's the problem. See, not only are they like, it's, it's, they're looking like, oh, no, I'm a white woman. Oh, uh, they're, they're, they're kooky. The drugs make them not want to have sex with anybody. And you're just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess we'll get Latinas. They didn't put Latinas on there. I wonder what percentage of the Latinas are on the, are on the drugs. <clears throat> Long-term users report in interviews a creeping unease that is hard to measure. Daily pill-popping leaves them doubting their own resilience, they say. We've come to a place, at least in the West, where it seems every other person is depressed on a, and on medication, said Edward Shorter, a historian of psychology, at the University of Toronto. You do have to wonder what that says about our culture. Patients who try to stop taking the drugs often say they cannot. In a recent survey of 250 long-term users of psychiatric drugs, most commonly antidepressants, about half who wound down their prescriptions rated the withdrawal as severe. I really? I wonder if you gave World War II vets or uh, people who were in the trenches of World War One. I, I wonder if you gave that guy, hey, how's your withdrawal? They're like, uh, eh, I got a scratch, I'm kind of a little bit down. You know, what, what, with the withdrawal, with the, the pain that comes with from withdrawal, that pain, is it really painful for somebody that was brought up poor, had to work, had a normal life? Or is it you prissy little suburbanite kids who had everything handed to you, and like you, you, you have your parents come in with you for your fucking interview? You can't handle rejection. You can't go to the gym. Oh, we need a war. We need a war. We need an economic collapse. We need... We need a post-apocalyptic collapse, and then, then these people would get the baseline of what real pain is. Real starvation, real hunger. <clears throat> In another study of 180 long-time antidepressant users, withdrawal symptoms were reported by more than 130. Most half said they felt addicted to antidepressants. Many were critical of the lack of information given by prescribed. Ah, there you go! Many were critical of the lack of information given by prescribers with regard to withdrawal. Look, you can go after your doctors and you can go after big pharmaceuticals. 
the authors concluded. And many also expressed disappointment or frustration with the lack of support available in managing withdrawal. Oh, do we need another government program? I got a, I got an idea. Those same people that, you know, psychologists and all that, they just recommended more drugs to you like 20 years ago. You've been addicted to it since. We're going to take new psychology majors who are even worse than the other ones you went to, and they're going to pat you on the head and tell you everything's all right. Now, keep in mind, these psychology majors had mom and dad buying, you know, brand new SUVs when they were in high school, and they never went to bed hungry, and they got everything they wanted for Christmas, and they pound and shout if they didn't. And, you know, they, they themselves are bipolar and on drugs themselves. But, you know, they got a master's degree and a doctorate degree. And they're going to they're gonna do counseling. And they're going to get you right back up lickety-split. It's, 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 it's just like education. We send our dumbest, and I do mean that. We send our dumbest. Education majors are the dumbest. The lowest IQ when it comes to uh, college majors or, or near the bottom. Depends on what type of education. We send our dumbest to educate our children, and we send our psychos to deal with other people's mental problems. So we're going to have criminals become cops. <clears throat> Drug manufacturers do not deny that some patients suffer harsh symptoms when trying to wean themselves from antidepressants. The likelihood of developing discontinuation syndrome varies by individuals the treatment and dosage prescribed, said Thomas Beji, the spokesman for Pfizer. Oh, Thomas, you're going to get... They're going to need you, Tom. They're going to need you and these millennials come suing for you. And all these rich white women out in New York now got a lot of money. They ain't got no kids, but they got some cats. Oh, they got a lot of money and they're going to sue you. A lot of them are lawyers themselves. Come on. Hey, you girls all remember Murphy Brown, huh? Some of you got to be lawyers with lots of money. And some of you got to be lawyers that have no money because you still got student loans. And you went to some crappy law school. That's a way to get your money back. 50-year-old white woman with law debt from law school from 20 years ago, no husband, no children, postmenopausal. you got a vendetta? You want to go again? You want to know where Mosley went? Never mind. I don't know where that movie's from either. Because that's where your pal Mosley went. Thanks. I might just do that. You guys can go after Pfizer. Said Thomas Beji a spokesman for Pfizer, making maker of the antidepressants like Zoloft and Effexor. He urged the patients work with their doctors to be tapered off to wean themselves by taking shrinking dosages and said the company could not provide specific withdrawal rates because it did not have them. Drug maker Eli Lilly, referring to two popular antidepressants, said in a statement the company remains committed to Prozac and Cymbalta and their safety and benefits, which have been repeatedly affirmed by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. The, client, the company does, declined to say how common withdrawal symptoms are. Nausea and brain zaps. Ba-da-ba-da-ba, ba-da-ba-da-ba. Go through that. Just more on drugs. Took you a year to come completely off, said Dr. Tom Stockman. 34, psychiatrist in East London. What I tell you about these guys? They take their own fucking shit. Of course, he actually believes in it. At least he's honest. Like he says, like, look, I'm going to recommend this stuff, so I'm a psychiatrist. But uh, I'm a, I believe in it. So at least, you know, he's taking his own medicine. Lightheadedness, confusion, vertigo, and brain zaps. 
To wind the prescription down safely, he began opening the capsules, removing a few beads of the drug each day in order to taper off the only way out, he decided. I knew some people experienced withdrawal reactions, but I had no idea how hard it would be. Robin Kempel! <clears throat> this is the old gal who's looking listfully up. 54, I guess she was 54. Robin Kempel, 54, a mother of four who lives near Concord, New Hampshire, began taking the antidepressant Praxil 21 years ago for severe premenstrual syndrome on the recommendation of her psychologist. Pre severe premenstrual syndrome. 1943. No, they're all so sad. They all look so sad. He said, oh, this little pill is going to change your life, Miss Hempel said. Oh, Miss Hempel, Miss. Four kids, Miss. Oh, there was a husband in her. Well, it never did. The drug blunted her PMS symptoms, she said, but also caused her to gain 40 pounds in nine, month, nine months. Quitting was nearly impossible. At first, her doctor tapered her off too quickly, she said. She succeeded in her last attempt in 2015 by tapering over months to 10 milligrams, then 5, down to 20 milligrams, and finally all the way down to particles of dust, after which she was bedridden for three weeks with severe dizziness, nausea, and crying spells, she said. No, that's just your life. That is just... Oh, Aaron, you're so mean. Had I been told the risks of trying to come off this drug, I would have never started it, Miss Hempel said. A year and a half after stopping, I'm still having problems. I'm not me right now. I don't have the creativity, the energy. She, Robin, is gone. Go sue him. Go sue him, Miss Hempel. Hiss the snake. Ba-ba-ba, booty-boo, beady-bee. We've done this enough. We've done this enough. I don't care. I do not care about these people. I don't care. Nope, don't care. Don't care! Guarantee you, back in the day, you were the type to tell us, oh, we know so much better and so much more. Oh, what else we got? All right, I'm going to knock out the rest of the sponsors. Then I will continue on to the last news piece. Then I got to shower, clean up, smoke one final cigar. My favorite cigar lounge. Pack and get ready to take off. Um, invisiblehandfashion.com. That was the website I remember it. Invisiblehandfashion.com. If you are looking for a shirt or a bag that has charts on, empirical economic data, and some pretty funny stuff when it comes to college degrees, go to invisiblehandfashion.com. Do it now. Go, go invisiblehandfashion.com. Look it up. Take a look there. If you see, uh huh. See? It, some of it's fine, but of it, a lot of it's kind of quite clever, like the national debt chart. Uh, so take a look. If some there piques your interest or suits your fancy, go to invisiblehandfashion.com. Go ahead and buy. I think you, you get a discount on Cappy or something like that. I, I don't know. Just go there and buy your shit. That's the one. Steve's Jerky. You can find him at www.facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky. If you like jerky, it's better than the, definitely better than the crap you'll find at a gas station. Definitely better than what stuff you're going to find at a grocery store. It is going to be on par with a um, a butcher or a, or a, a, a meat locker. What do they call them? Where you go get uh, brats and meats and chops. I know it's butcher, but there's another word for the type of restaurant that sells it. Oh, darn it. That's the level of quality, all right? 
it's a little bit more, more well, I don't know how much more moist, you, uh, less moist you can get than the crap they sell at the gas station. But if you like jerky, you want a no-carb snack, you want something that's healthy and tastes really good, facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky. Uh, go there. He sells, um, takes PayPal, but it's credit card, same thing. It's um, $10 for five ounces. If you order 15 ounces, delivery is free. So check that out, Steve's Jerky, facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky. Jacob's with Dull Playground. Never met up with Jacob though this trip. It's too bad. Have to get him uh, the next time. Check out jacobsadultplayground.com if you're going to come to Vegas. You say, well, I don't want to go to strip clubs or anything. Yeah, it, it's adult playground, meaning Vegas. He can get you deals and specials. He knows where this party's going on, that party's going on, which uh, if unless you bring your own car, transportation is expensive as hell. He can get you limo service. He can get you bottle service. Contact him, jacobsadultplayground.com. Tell him the captain sent you. Uh, conservativebrew.com, that's where I get my coffee, you should get yours too. It's better than Black Rifle. Go to conservativebrew.com, tell them the captain sent you. You can advertise on the podcast for $50 a month. Chad Elkins will be able to entertain you in about nine more days when tax season is over. But right now he's so good, he's such a good CPA, that he uh, has to turn down work. He could take on no more clients. But if you want to get ready for next year, or you're a business or a corporation, contact Chad at elkincpa.com. Uh, World Class Bullshitters, 405 Media, Obsidian Radio, Financial Survival Network, Conto Talk, Blow Me Up Tom, O'Shea Jackson, Rich Cooper, Safety Doc Podcast, Small Scale Life, and TJ Martinell. Clary, who are those guys? That is the League of Extraordinary Podcasters. You can find World Class Bullshitters, Obsidian Radio, O'Shea Jackson, those are all, oh, I'm sorry, Rich Cooper, Entrepreneurs in Cars. You can find them all on YouTube. 405 Media, 405media.com, financialsurvivalnetwork.com. Kanto Talk, you find him on Blog Talk Radio. Blow Me Up Time at blowmeuptime.com. And uh, Safety Doc Podcast, safetyphd.com. Small Scale Life, I don't know where he is. If you search small scale life, you'll find them. And then TJ Martinell is at tjmartinell.com. They all have podcasts. Most of them have blogs. Check them out. Academiccomposition.com. Uh, Alex is looking to hire uh, writers and marketers. Uh, and he pays. He always pays. Uh, he pays fair, but don't expect to make a lot of money. And don't expect the work to be interesting. It's not fun writing other people's leftist Marxist, uh, Marxist leftist arts papers. Um, it's not fun doing marketing either, but if you want to work from home, contact Alex over at academiccomposition.com. Also, if you happen to be a client looking for someone to write your papers that you frankly don't want to because it has no fucking thing to do with your fucking studies or your fucking major, contact Alex and his crack team of writing staff. We'll go ahead and bang out a paper for you. And they also do resumes for $100, so if you're kind of like, eh, I don't know about my resume, near do I. I. I could give you my, people ask me occasionally, like, hey, can you look at my resume? I'm like, yeah, I can, but fuck if my resume ever got past the goalie of HR. I mean, occasionally it did, but, and it, it's, it's not like it's a science. I can tell if you're fucking up. Uh, but have the pros do it. Contact Alex at academiccomposition.com. Uh, they know what they're doing. And then jimfear138.blogspot.com. Not only is it a blog... Not only is it a podcast, but Jim will do your voice recording for you. He's a good voice actor, and uh, he's very good with the editing. Uh, he is my go-to guy for um, 
recording my books, and people have been asking when I'm going to write another book. It's going to be a while. I'm Like I said, I'm switching into having more fun. I promised myself that after I paid off my house. Uh, Michael Kingswood, he is the only non-communist science fiction writer in the world. If you like science fiction, but you're sick and tired of, oh, in the future, there won't be money because it's a Star Wars and oh my God. Uh, but you want someone who is uh, experienced in the military, writes about space battles and excitement and stuff like that, check out Michael Kingswood. Uh, what, oh, shoot, where did his... Oh, I don't have his RSS feed. He's also got a podcast. I'm sure if you look up Michael Kingswood author, you'll find him. Uh, but I do have several of his books. I did read through a couple of them. And remember, I hate reading. And they're good. They're good. Uh, I just do hate reading. MTFUnow.com. When we started our brand, we just wanted to sell cool t-shirts and hoodies, but the brand quickly became something more than just another apparel brand. It became a symbol for people who were fed up with the direction our country is going. MTFU is about taking responsibility for your decisions and actions. MTFU is about standing up for what you believe in despite what other people think. MTFU is being the person you are meant to be instead of what other people want you to be. It has nothing to do with gender, race, or economics. It has to do with living your life to your full potential and helping others around you do the same. Lifting each other up instead of tearing each other down. We promise to do our part, but we'll need your help to change the world. Please help us by joining the MTFU revolution at www.mtfunow.com. That's manthefuckupnow.com. And I was wearing... I got to drink out of his mug. Ah, oh, I should go drink out of his mug again when I do pot, uh, my videos. Uh, he sent me a mug. They got merch. They got merch. And he has very nice sweaters. If you're looking for a very warm sweater... I didn't get to use it this time down here. Uh, I would recommend getting that. Uh, we did the Invisible Hand side. We did Steve's Jerky. Ba-da-ba, boo-da-boo, BDB. All right. I was listening to Garage Logic, which I recommend you do the same. And the host read or came across some movie that was being reviewed. And it said, rated PG-13 due to violence, partial nudity, and then it said, historical smoking. And they were talking, I think the movie was in the 60s or the 50s, and to portray it, you know, like, uh, Mad Men, they had to put, like, uh, <clears throat> they were having cigarettes and scotch. They put a warning saying, there's historical smoking. And I'm like, no way, that didn't, that couldn't be it. They, they could not, the United States could, given what's happening, and the people that are in charge, the same people who wrote that New York Times article, not realizing they're writing about themselves. Um, that It's the same people who are now coming up with this and thinking this is a good idea. Because they got nothing else to do. They can't just leave it be. There always has to be new, continuing education, CPE credits. We've got to advance, advance, advance. We've got to over-regulate, over-create way too many laws and rules. Find problems that are ban ban bags. We gotta ban bags. We gotta rename lakes. We gotta rename things. We gotta put in bike paths. So these do nothings over at the MPAA. Those are the guys that come out with the rated R, uh, PG thirteen, whatever. They did, but it wasn't today. This is not new. I think it came out in two thousand seven. But it's, this article is from twenty seventeen. Uh, this is written by Christopher. McKittrick over at Thought.co. Countless classic movies, especially those released in the earliest decades of cinema featuring characters smoking 
uh, a feature character smoking. For example, the atmosphere of Casablanca would not be the same without the swirling smoke from cigarette use. For decades, smoking also appeared in films marketed to children, such as Disney's Pinocchio and Dumbo, and dozens of Warner Brothers cartoon shorts featuring the company's famous characters. Smoking in movies has become less popular in recent years as an increasing amount of Americans choose not to smoke. God almighty, His Girl Friday, that's all they did was smoke. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, there were 50% fewer incidents per movie of tobacco use in 2015. God almighty. You guys got a lot of money on your hands. A lot of taxpayer money on your hands if you're going to put together a study. Uh, the number of movies rated PG that featured smoking remained unchanged at 53%. Yet some advocates believe that any movie featuring smoking should be rated R. In other words, restricted to viewers over 17 years of age without a parent or guardian. I, I want to know who these advocates are, and we're going to drag them out on the street, and we're going to shoot them. First in the kneecaps, then the elbows, then maybe the heart. And, you know, with two minutes in between each shot. Who... What? How bad is your life? How nothing? How, how much did you piss away your life? How few people love you in your life? That this is the best use of your time. That you want to get some movie that has smoking in it to be rated R. It is backed by research that smoking in movies, particularly by popular actors, promotes smoking among young people. I'll see a, a link to the research. Because of that, over the past few decades, anti-smoking advocates have pushed the Motion, Move, Motion Picture Association of America, which assigns ratings to films, to take a stricter look at smoking in movies. In May in 2007, okay, this is why I saw the 2007, the MPAA announced that after discussing the issue with representatives from the Harvard School of Public Health, the use of tobacco products would factor into the film's rating. Previously, the MPAA only considered teenagers smoking and determining the ratings, Sorry, in 2007, the organization began to factor smoking of any on-screen characters when determining a movie's rating. At that time, MPAA chairman and CEO Dan Glickman stated, The MPAA film rating system has existed for nearly 40 years as an educational tool for parents to assist them in making decisions about what movies are appropriate for their children. Imagine what Hollywood would think when you, you have these moviegoers, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17... Uh, that's what you do for a date. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's not what they do for dates anymore. And their movie gets rated R. The movie studios ain't going to tolerate that. They're going to say, what? <laughs> they got to be with their parents? You know, would Ferris Bueller be... What, what movies What movies had smoke in it? it? would probably be rated G back in the day. Well, Die Hard was rated R because of violence. That, that much was true. What was an easy... Weekend at Bernie's, we were smoking in that. Um, it's an innocent movie. I'm trying to think, even cartoons, there must have been, oh, none of them are coming to me right now. Uh, that has existed for nearly 40 years as an educational tool for parents to assist them in making decisions about what movies are appropriate for their children. It is a system that is designed to evolve alongside modern parental concerns. I'm pleased that this system continues to receive overwhelming approval from parents and is consistently described as a valuable tool they rely upon in making movie-going decisions for their families. With that in mind, the rating board chaired by Joan Graves, uh-oh, now we got a woman in there, will now consider smoking as a factor, among many other factors. I want to look up Joan Graves' 
and I'm going to predict from there. I'm going to assume she is not an engineer or an ex-military individual. Joan Graves. Out of this, oh, I have is a Wikipedia entry. Was appointed by Jack Valenti. She used to work as a real estate agent until someone at a party she was attending recommended her as a person with good judgment. She's been a member of that group since 1980. Oh, she's got real world experience. She's not longer in the She personally hires. She's defended the administration's role. Okay, maybe, maybe she, uh, maybe she'll stand up and say, "Look, we're not changing, we're not changing it to rated R. We'll, we'll, we'll consider it." Please, Joan, if you're listening, you say we'll consider it, uh, but um, we're not going to make it rated R. Uh, the rating board chairman, Joan, by rating board chaired. Fuck Christ, I can't talk today. With that in mind, the rating board chaired by Joan Graves will now consider smoking as a factor among many other factors, including violence, sexual situations, and language in the rating of films. Clearly, smoking is increasingly unacceptable, unacceptable behavior in our society. There's broad awareness of smoking as a, a unique public health concern due to nicotine's highly addictive nature, and no parent wants their children to take up their habit. Are we still worried about, what, these kids don't know smoking is bad? We got the point 30 years ago. The appropriate response of the rating system is to give more information to parents on this issue. Rating board members currently consider three questions when smoking appears in a film. Is the smoking pervasive? Does the film glamorize smoking? Is there a historic or other mitigating context? Though the MPA argued at the time that over 75% of all movies featured in smoking are already rated R, many anti-smoking advocates believe that the MPAA did not go far enough. Who are these advocates? For example... The 2011 animated film Rango was rated PG by the MPAA, but it featured at least 60 incidents of smoking, according to anti-smoking nonprofit Breathe California. Look, I don't even have to waste everybody's time looking up what kind of faggots head up Breathe California. Not one of them have worked a real job. They're all trust fund babies. They're all majoring in stupid shit, and they're a bunch of age fucking hippies that got nothing else to do. And half, and I have all of them are probably unmarried, and none of their children, if they manage to have any, want to have anything to do with them. I just described Brief California. Somebody go look it up. Tell me how wrong I am, because I'm not. In 2016, a class action lawsuit was filed against the MPAA, the six major studios, and the National Association of Theater Owners that claims Hollywood is not doing enough. Well, who filed it? Class action lawsuit, Hollywood. Rating system blame. Uh, it demands in part that no movie should be rated G, PG, or PG-13 if it features character smoking. For example, the X-Men movies, which feature a cigar-chomping Wolverine, are generally rated PG-13, would receive rated R for depicting the fan-favorite mutant with a stogie regardless of any other content. The Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies, oh yeah, that's right, the, the guy smoked the pipe, would also have received R ratings instead of PG-13 ratings. The MPAA responded to the suit by saying that organizations' ratings are protected by the First Amendment and reflect the organization's opinion. Oh, smart move. Many see a total smoking ban as a threat to creativity and accuracy. For example, movies set in earlier time periods, such as westerns or historical dramas, would be historically inaccurate if they did not depict tobacco use. In some cases, the MPAA has used the phrase historical smoking in its ratings determination. Exactly. Maybe they're just covering their ass See, 
Five faggots out of Breathe, California is making the MPAA make us roll our eyes and churn our stomachs because we heard, oh, historical smoking. Others believe, oh, you know what we should do? We should find their headquarters at uh, Breathe, uh, California, and we all go have a stogie fest and just smoke out there. Hey, how you doing? Bada boom, bada big. What's up, man? Uh, others believe out that the entire... Well, I have trouble reading when it's written so poorly. Others believe out that this, the entire rating system used by the MPAA is already unfairly skewed against substance abuse of any kind. For example, comedian and filmmaker Mike Birbigala criticized the MPAA for giving his film Don't Think Twice an R rating because adult characters smoke pot, but gave the violent comic book blockbuster Suicide Squad, which would be seen by far more children than Don't Think Twice, a PG-13 rating. That's fair. Finally, others expressed concern that other interest groups would hijack the rating systems and make similar demands such as groups that support bans on sugary drinks or snacks. The only thing for sure is that the issue of smoking and moving rates will continue to be one of the many criticisms often levied against the MPAA rating system. I No, it's not... By what? Bored people? 320 million people. Five, six fuckers over at Breathe California. Let's look them up. I, I, I just... I want to see how many people. Breathe California... <clears throat> That's the Sacramento region. Others affiliates. BreatheCalifornia.org. Here we go. No, that's LA. Advocacy. By the way, guys, did you know smoking was bad for you? Didn't know if you if you knew that. Alright, you can visit the local. Oh, this is members of the Breathe America Alliance. All right, so it's not even California. Breathe America. All right, who are we? Partnerships. Our team. There we go. There, let's look these guys up. Tanya Stephenson, EDMPH. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These are some ugly people. <laughs> Oh, let's take a look at President and CEO. Oh, usually they want to tell you so much about them because they have nothing else. An educational doctorate? Is that what it is? What's an MPH degree? Masters of Public Health. You're too stupid to be a doctor, but you're going to get a master's. Okay, so... What's an E? What was the E D E D D E D D? What's an E D D degree? Doctorate of Education, exactly. This woman never wanted to work. She ain't even teaching. She's gonna be blah 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 blah. Doctor Stevenson. Okay, right, right. Uh, Elias Trevino. Hey, Elias, what you got going on? Vice President, management experience, investing. Came and been native Californian. Give me your degree here, pal. Loves to cook to entertain. Oh, my goodness. He made this pistachio bread. It was amazing. 
This might, guy might actually have real-world working experience. Startup home, purchasing offices. Yeah, he does have, he does have, but he doesn't have a degree. Maybe that's why he's the only one with experience. Ladies, look out, Randy Uang, PhD. God, he looks like he's been smoking forever. He looks like he's got cancer. Working this nonprofit, nonprofit, nonprofit. PhD in government. See, he's he knows what's best for you guys. Audrey Abadala. Yeah, I'm gonna take a crack at her. Brian Sawyer, Mei Ling. Good for you, kids. Good for you. You're getting nobody to stop smoking because nobody's smoking now. So that's the type of people. All right, that's it. That's the Clary Podcast. The old captain's got to go clean up and I got shit to do. Fun shit. Happy shit. Shit you guys are cubicle slaves can't do. But don't worry, I'll do it for you. All right, I'll see you guys later. Toodles.